Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. All right, we're going to continue today in this message series that we've called Faithful. And today we're going to talk about being faithful in mission. Faithful in mission. So, uh, Matthew chapter 24. If you're going to, if you're going to get, get your Bible, if you invite you to start digging around for that. Matthew's the first book in the New Testament. And, um, you know, the commands from Jesus, uh, for every believer and for every church are quite straightforward. Uh, the instruction is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. I think it's Luke that says, adds in there, all your strength. And then uh, to love your neighbor as you would love yourself. And then to go into all the world and make disciples. We call these the great commandment, love God and love people, and the great commission, being commissioned or sent out to make disciples. Great commandment and great commission. And the commands of Jesus are quite assertive. He says we are to go into all the world. We're to extend love to those around us. We're to, to make disciples. Uh, we exert ourselves to, to fulfill the commands of God. It's not a passive thing. It's not like we sit and we wait for everyone to, to come and ask us to reach out to us. It's up to us as God's people to be the ones reaching out. It's an assertive command. And yet, it's 2022, right? This book is a couple thousand years old and surely we're inclined to think that either A, that's someone else's job to go and, and be a part of that, or B, the work's already done. I mean, surely by now we're done. Like we wouldn't have to keep sending people out. Especially in this time of turmoil, we might, we might just think, well, we've done enough for others. Isn't it time we like take care of ourselves? But that's not what Scripture records Jesus saying to us. And so we're going to read Matthew chapter 24, beginning at verse 1. If you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word, I invite you to do so. We are really getting to the very kind of end of Jesus' earthly ministry. And chapter 24, verse 1 uh, begins this way. It says, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when the disciples came to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked. Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. And as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, and so you can see the temple from the Mount of Olives. It's just across a narrow valley called the Kidron Valley. And uh, you, you just look right down onto the Temple Mount from the Mount of Olives. And as they sat on the Mount of Olives, Jesus, the disciples came to Him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? 
And Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Then he, he goes on to discuss what they can expect, you know, what's about to come about for them and, and more warnings. And I'm going to take you all the way down to verse 30 and we'll finish there. Verse 30, he says, then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. We thank the Lord for His Word. Let's be seated together this morning. Prophetic passages like this can stir up a whole range of emotions for us. Right? They can be scary. They can be confusing. Uh, they can be fascinating or exciting. I remember as a, as a kid, my favorite things to, to read were were, were you know, book uh, chapters in the book of Daniel and and the and Revelation because it was just so wild and fantastic and exciting and right very often biblical prophecy is is about more than one thing at a time so it, it mixes together what's near what's about to happen and it mixes what's far into the future and so in this passage many would say Jesus is predicting both the fall of Jerusalem which happened just 40 years later 70 AD Jerusalem was finally uh, conquered and the temple was destroyed by emperor Titus uh, but it also speaks of things yet to come for us. And I'll admit, I, I have not taught on sort of end times um, matters enough here with you. And it's mostly because it's a topic I have never wanted to be overly confident about. And certainly I, I feel like I'm so much to learn and good godly people who are far smarter than me have disagreed deeply Uh, about these subjects and so i tread lightly Uh, i'll just tell you today my conviction is that there is a difference between the appearing of jesus and the second coming of jesus that first he appears in the clouds to gather his believers to gather his church we call that the the rapture the gathering up of his people Um, those who are living those who have already died he gathers them to himself that will either be, um, happen um, before or possibly interrupt uh, a seven-year uh, period of deep trial called the Great Tribulation. But then later Jesus returns to the earth with the believers to reign on the earth for a thousand years. And I, I admit I'm still grappling with, with my understanding and how best to pack that. But that's how I understand it. There's an appearing of Jesus. He gathers his own and then returns later at second coming. 
And Matthew 24 opens with this conversation between Jesus and his followers. And it's not a teaching to the crowds. I don't know if you noticed that. It's private instruction, right? For the benefit of believers. It's his closest followers that come and say, hey, can you help us understand all these things? And so in these few verses, Jesus delivers both a caution for us, but also promise for us. And it helps, so we're going to see how this helps us be faithful in mission. And so we're going to start with the cautions that Jesus gives. If we're going to remain faithful, we need to know the warnings of Jesus. We need to know the warnings of Jesus. So these disciples, right, they're good Jews. They, they're, they've been kind of raised and immersed in what it means to be a, a, a good Jew. And they have this belief, and now they know that they have this confidence of the Messiah's coming rule and reign. And and they understand that the judgment of all peoples is coming. And so they ask this three-part question. When will the temple be destroyed? Because they know it's got to happen. How will we know that you're coming? And how will everything end? It's really three fairly distinct questions in kind of one sentence. And like I said, they... You know, Jesus had said this whole place is going to be knocked down, not one stone left on another. And when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem, they destroyed it completely. They literally tore it down brick by brick, stone by stone. But where does Jesus begin the answer? Verse 4, first thing he says, watch out that no one deceives you. That interesting answer. That, that doesn't, that's not, Jesus, that's not what we were asking you. We're asking you, when are all these things going to happen? He's like, uh, 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 watch out that no one deceives you. That's the first caution of the end times is to guard against deception. You want to guard against deception. Yesterday in our, in the league men's ministry, uh, John Gossett gave us a, a great, great teaching and, and he, he brought out, uh, John works in banking and he brought all of his, uh, his phony money, his counterfeit bills that he's collected over the years. And we're like, John, you're going to get us in trouble with all that counterfeit money around here. Um, but the offering looks really good today. Um, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, uh, but, uh, and, and he was just saying like, you you learn to recognize what's fake by being very familiar with what's real. You don't study counterfeit. There's no point in studying counterfeit because it's always changing. It's always something different. But what's real doesn't change. God's word is rock solid. That's why I want you in the word all day. That's why I'm just hounding you to, to get to know your Bible for yourself so that you, when deception comes, you're like, oh, that's not right. I recognize that because I know what's true. I know what's true, right? And so... The immorality and the faithlessness of our culture is obvious, right? But where some of us are going to get tripped up, where some people, some believers are going to get tripped up is when religious people, right? Church people, right? People holding Bibles and claiming to speak for Jesus, right? When those people speak what's not true, it's going to be confusing and it's going to lead people to fall away from the faith. Some people even come claiming to be the Messiah or something like a Messiah, and and they're going to lead people as as you've seen through the decades. And if you're like me, you think I'm not going to fall for that. No way. Like there's no way I could fall. But Jesus is only warning us because we are actually all susceptible to being deceived. That's why we have to be warned. Verse ten says many will turn away from the faith. Verse eleven. 
It says that we're going to be led astray by false teachers. And the New Testament has lots to say about what makes a false teacher, right? What do you watch for? Uh, you know, a false teacher is someone who's going to promote themselves over Christ. Uh, a false teacher is somebody who's, who divides, brings division to the body of Christ. Um, they're going to be someone who adds to or subtracts from Scripture. Well, I know that's what you think it says, but, you know, that doesn't really apply anymore. That's a, that's a, that's a false teacher. Right? They minimize the need for the gospel of grace to rescue us from sin. And the judgment that comes from our, to, as a result of our sin. And the first thing that Jesus has to say is about the end times is a caution against deception. So friends, we want to be on guard. The second caution is this, and it's found in verses 6 and following. To don't panic at calamity. Don't panic at calamity. Right? He says, uh, there's, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars and, and see to it that you're not alarmed. Right? Such things must happen. The end is still to come. Nation is going to rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, earthquakes. These are the beginning of birth pains. Obviously, there's lots going on. Jesus says, see to it that you're not alarmed. Don't panic. It's a clue that the end is near. And by the way, notice that false teachers, if you look into that, false teachers kind of take advantage of a calamity. There's, there's a saying that, that, um, certain kind of political types say, you know, never let a calamity go to waste, right? And they take, uh, I mean, anytime somebody uses a situation to induce greater fear into your life, that's a, that's a warning. Resist that, right? They, they use calamity to spread their message and, and, um, um, so there's always been wars and there's always been earthquakes and famines and that's not new. Whether things are really accelerating, maybe that can be debated, but here's the catch. Jesus says, you will hear of these things. Verse 6, you will hear of these things. Now because of technology, we hear of these things more than ever, right? We know when an earthquake happens in the middle of the South Pacific right now because of all the technology, sensing technology that's out there letting us know. We see war live-streamed on television. Sorry, not television. Tablets, your phones, whatever, right? The disciples could not have imagined that level of information and and technology. But for us, it fulfills prophecy. It's not Jesus simply saying, there's going to, these things are going to happen. You're going to hear of them. That's the key. That's the warning. I've got a picture I, I, I screenshotted this yesterday. This is earthquakes worldwide in the last seven days that are magnitude 4.0 or more. All the red pins are one. Where it's blue and yellow, that's where there's a cluster of them, right? In the South Pacific, see that yellow cluster? of 22 earthquakes that were 4.0 or greater just in the last week from Saturday to Saturday. Uh, things are pretty hot in South America. Um California is not doing too bad. We got just one red pin. That's pretty good. Um, something along that international date line is not looking good. All those red pins. It makes me a little nervous. Right? That's just the last seven days. And you're hearing about it. Jesus followers could never have known those things. It's a sign. The fact that this is 
brought to you in real time is a sign that things are close to the end. Jesus says, see to it that you're not alarmed. See to it that you're not alarmed. Don't panic. All right, third caution is this. You see it in verses 9 through 12. To expect persecution and apostasy. Apostasy is just a fancy word for falling away from the faith, turning away from the, from the faith. I don't think that anyone can be truly ready for persecution, but we can be resolved to follow Jesus no matter what. Uh, if you want to listen to a great podcast, uh, uh, what's the VOM? VOM Radio. Uh, just Google that in your whatever podcast you use, uh, Voice of the Martyrs Radio. And they kind of tell you real stories of, of people that are experiencing persecution. And, and um, they do an interview with actually an American pastor who was imprisoned in Turkey for two years. It's great. It's just great. And he, and, he, and he talks about how hard it was and how much harder it was than he ever imagined it would be. I don't know if you can be ready for persecution, but we we're resolved to follow Jesus. And he, he warned us. Jesus said we'd be hated by all nations. I mean, isn't this amazing that everywhere that Christians have gone, especially in the last couple centuries, I'll, I'll give you the, the Crusades are not a good example. But right in the last couple hundred years, everywhere that Christians have gone, they've benefited that nation. Healthcare. Education, sanitation, agriculture, right? Conflict resolution, women's rights, children's care, food supply, disaster relief. You name it, of course, the gospel. You name it. Christians have brought all those things around the world. And yet, nation after nation seeks to expel or destroy believers and churches. It's astounding to me. But Jesus promised Christians will be hated everywhere. And as a result, he says, many will turn away from the faith, verse 10, and the love of most will grow cold. Did you notice in the last couple of years how people turned on each other in the middle of a pandemic? People who were friends gave up their friendships. It, it's, it split families, right? Some folks... It was a little bit personal. Some folks who said, you know, we just want everyone to be safe. Turned to those maybe who didn't get vaccinated and said, we hope the unvaccinated die. I heard those things. That's cold. That's a sign of the end. The love of all, the love of many will grow cold. Uh, it's just an indication of end times reality. And so those are the cautions, three cautions that Jesus gives us. But is there any good news in this? Yes, absolutely there is. There is good news here. And Jesus only warns us about deception. Why does he warn about deception? Because he wants everyone to be saved. If Jesus didn't care, he wouldn't bother warning you. Fine, be deceived. I don't care. No, he's like, I want everyone to be saved. That's why the warnings come. But Jesus cannot decide for you. You have to decide whether or not you're going to follow Jesus whether you choose to believe. And the hope and the promise comes at verse 14. And this is the heart of what I want to say today, that Jesus reminds us to stay on mission. Stay on mission. Verse 14, He says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Then it will come. 
the gospel's going to go to all nations. Okay, so how's the gospel of the kingdom going to be preached to the whole world? Only by going. Romans 10, 14 says this, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Church, we have to stay on mission. The call of God in our lives to follow Him and make Jesus known to the whole world. Some are going to go. Some are going to give. Some are going to stay and pray. But we are all on mission together. And as a local church, we have to keep being the light of the good news to the neighborhood. Not only do we go to the whole world, the whole world has come to us, including here in 93720. We're surrounded by people of so many languages and so many ethnicities, and they need the gospel. They need Jesus. They're lost for eternity if they don't respond to the good news. And only... And by the way, I will say this. They don't need a feel-good, you know, woke community service organization. There's plenty of that. The world needs a church who loves them and who speaks the truth of God's Word. It's both. It's both. You love people no matter where they're at, no matter what kind of mess they're in, just as God loved you in your mess. But you speak the truth of God's Word to make Jesus known. And only then, only when Jesus appears to gather us to Himself will we know that the job is done. The work is not finished until Jesus appears and gathers His church to Himself. And so we invest ourselves in the task, in the mission. And I know some of you, some of the way that some of you have invested, you've personally sacrificed, whether it's sharing the gospel with a friend or a family member, or the way that some of you pray, or the way that some of you write generous checks. I'm serious. God notices that. And He promises that He will bless that. He will reward that. You're laying treasure in heaven and you're helping people to get to heaven because of that. And for Becky and I, I will say this. This coming transition for us has been exciting. We've been working on this for about 10 months. It's been very hard. Uh, Many times I've thought, this is so dumb. Like, this is nuts. Like, I mean, look at us. And we're middle-aged. We're comfortable. Everything's going good. We're happy. We love. We've got a great church. Like, right? And then you got all this global drama going on. Thanks, Putin. Right? It might make it impossible for us. We don't, we don't even know, but for the past, I'll just tell you a little secret. For the past 30 plus years, we've been saying, Jesus, when you open the door, we will go. When you open the door, we will go. Wherever you send us. And so, you know, in the midst of planning and praying and all this stuff, a friend of mine just passed away very recently. In fact, we just did the funeral this, this last week. Just seven years older than me. And, you know, those are incredible moments of reflection. I thought, if I only had seven years left, if I knew that the next seven were my last years, what would I do? I don't know. What would you do if you knew that you had, just think about whatever age you're now. If you knew that you only had seven years left, what would you, what would you, would you do anything differently? Whatever it is, I'd want you to stay on mission. I'd want you to stay on mission.
I'm going to invite the worship team to rejoin me on the platform here. In the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah recorded a remarkable encounter with God. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, Isaiah writes, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. High and exalted and seated on the throne. And the train of His robe filled the temple. Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And one of the seraphim, one of the angel, angelic creatures flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and he said, see, this has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And then we've got this one on screen. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I. Send me. Before he knew what he was signing up for, Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Because in the following verses, God says, you know, it's going to be really hard. Most everybody's going to ignore you and not listen to you. But before he he knew what he was getting into, he said, here am I, send me. That's faithfulness in mission. Is it here, Lord? Is it in Fresno? Send me. Is it in my school? Send me. Is it in my workplace? Send me. Is it in my neighborhood? Send me. Is it the other side of the street? Send me. Is it the other side of the world? Send me. If you've never trusted your life to Jesus, don't don't wait. Don't put it off. God loves you. He sent Jesus and He demonstrates His love so that you would know His salvation, the forgiveness of your sin and new life in Christ. He doesn't just love you so you'll be your buddy. He wants you to know Him personally. And if you're a follower of Jesus already, it could be the Lord is kind of calling you to a fresh resolve, a fresh commitment. The worship team is going to sing a song that's probably new to most of us, but it's easy to catch on to. And as we sing this song, if you sense the Lord is calling you in a fresh way, respond how you, how you see fit. You can come to the front and kneel, stand, pray, raise your hands, whatever you need to do to say, here am I, send me. I, Lord, I will be faithful in mission, wherever that is. Wherever that is, it doesn't have to be some crazy, dramatic, sell everything and move to the other side of the world. Whatever it is, we want to say, here am I, Lord, send me. Because Jesus says, 
the gospel's got to go everywhere before he can appear and gather us home. That's what we want to be. God, I just thank you so much for your word, how relevant it is, how it speaks to exactly what we're experiencing and seeing all the time. Jesus, we we don't want to do anything out of duty or obligation, but out of a genuine relationship with you. And church, as as, as we're here, if, if you're somebody that you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, you have never stopped to say, Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I believe you're the Son of God. You died for my sin, and I ch- and I choose to follow you all my days. If that's not been your reality, and but you want to make that your reality today, not out of any sort of manipulation, but out of a genuine the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now. I'm just going to lead in a prayer, and you can follow after me. And if that's if you mean it, let me know afterwards. You would just say, pray simply something like this: Jesus. I admit I'm a sinner. And I want to be forgiven. I believe that you're the Son of God. That you died for my sin. And that you rose again. And I commit my life to follow you as my Lord and leader all my days. If you pray that and you mean it, it means that God promises to fill you with His Holy Spirit and make you a new creation, a new creature. How awesome would that be? The old is gone, the new has come. So God, we thank You for Your calling on our lives and Your calling on our church. And I thank You that You're not done, You're not done with us, and You're not done with this world. We give You our praise. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.